All right, welcome back to One True Podcast. It is a college football playoff, actually national championship edition of the One True Podcast, uh, which, John, we went to that name uh, way back when all the One True Champion stuff was going on. We were sort of inspired by that. Um and here, one of the teams that uh, <laughs> was involved in that whole mess is playing for the national championship. Uh, but first, let me uh, so first let me say hello to John Warner. Johnny, how you doing? Oh, doing good. Late basketball game last yes, night. Yes, yes. Stephen and I were just talking about it. Uh, and then with us again is our old friend Stephen Simcox. He hosts the uh, Locked On Horn Frogs podcast. You can find that. Uh, wherever you download your podcasts or on YouTube. Steven, thanks for hopping on. Thanks for having me, guys. I, I'm sure Baylor fans are probably not excited to see me right now. I mean, I know the women did get that win the other night, but uh, yeah, Chuck O'Bannon hit what looked like a pretty ugly shot coming off his <laughs> coming off his hand last night to, to sink Baylor. And you know, these two teams have had some close games in football and basketball this year. No doubt. What a game. What a game. It was crazy. Uh, well, let's dive into the football uh, side of things. Uh, TCU, man, they're they're living right. Um, the national championship game is set, and we've got Georgia versus TCU. And so going into the season, I think um, nobody would have been surprised to see the Bulldogs there defending national champions. Um, you know, they've got blue chip after blue chip. Um, but obviously it's a different story for TCU and we've discussed the frog season before, but now it has reached the pinnacle. Um, TCU was picked seventh in the big 12, <laughs> uh, preseason poll did not receive a vote in the AP, uh, preseason top 25, but here they are. They are the first big 12 team. Um, to play for a national championship since 2009. That was the Colt McCoy, Texas Longhorns. Um, and TCU had to fight just to get in the Big 12. <laughs> um, so where do you guys feel like these frogs rank among all-time surprises in college football? Steven, start with you. I mean, they they might be the biggest, honestly. Like, I, I know – Maybe I'm missing some some historical ones, but the one that came to mind for me was I know Auburn. I think it was in twenty uh, maybe 2011. They made the title game. They played Florida State. They ended up losing that game, but the year before they were four and eight, mm-hmm. and so it was a huge turnaround. And so it's not totally unprecedented, but I just think the combination of of them going five and seven last year, uh, and on top of that, just being one of the teams that doesn't get here. I mean, it's still really surreal. Mm. that they're going to be playing in this game because usually college football uh, either doesn't let a, you know, a team like this in the, the dance or if they get there, they generally bow out pretty quickly. So uh, it's incredible. It's also just funny to think like, and I'm, I'm not trying to disparage him, but you know, it'll come off like it comes off because for years, like Gary Patterson, you know, he was known as the guy that like maximized every ounce of talent out of the TCU program, and that he there were so many obstacles in his way. And um, in year one, Sonny Dykes gets to a place where he he never got to. Now, I mean, you know, he had that Rose Bowl team that 
maybe should have been, you know, there in the BCS era and a few other groups that got snubbed. But it's just pretty wild to think about um, how they've reached a point where they didn't when they just, you know, parted ways with uh, their best coach ever. And so I, I can't really think of another team that just totally came out of nowhere like this. I don't know if John has one, but I feel like this might be one of the bigger surprises in the history of the sport. Yeah. At Auburn, one is a good example, though. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with Steven. It's hard to come up with an example uh, of a team out of nowhere like this. I was looking back through the BCS uh, championship games. Uh, Virginia Tech in 99 made the championship game, <clears throat> excuse me, against Florida State. Uh, they lost 46 to 29. But that's really about the last maybe uh, non-traditional power that's made a championship game, I think. I mean, Auburn's a good example, too. Uh, but, but yeah, this is just crazy. And I, I just think it's great for college football. And uh, <clears throat> I, I kind of see it as maybe a gateway into to maybe the playoff, the expanded mm-hmm. playoff system coming in 2024, that hopefully you're going to see more teams like this. Uh, you know, I think Tulane, if this were 2024, Tulane, you know, <laughs> right. the, the win against USC in the Cotton Bowl. I, I mean, that would have been a great playoff game. So, uh, yeah, I'm hoping this is just kind of a harbinger for things to come. Yeah, I think that's a great point, uh, both of y'all. Uh, I mean, those semifinal games set up as some of the most exciting, you know, CFP games we've ever seen. Um, and I mean, how could you not want more of that? I mean, you know, um, obviously, you know, the magnitude of those games, the fact that they were putting teams into the national championship game probably added even more significance to it. But, but, you know, if it's any type of playoff game, I think that's going to be, uh, exciting and good for the sport. Certainly, as you mentioned, John, um, you know, to Steven's point. Yeah, it is super cool to see TCU break through and be, you know, uh, a non-Oklahoma Big 12 team in the college football playoff and not only be in it, but win a game. And, and, you know, here they have a chance to win a national championship. Um, Yeah, I mean, the Frogs last won a national championship in what, 38? 39. 39, 39. yeah. Davey O'Brien, we're talking, you know, ancient history for for really anyone that follows the sport. So this this is a big time moment for sure. Um, And before we look at that national championship game, I want to, you know, go back a week, um, not even a week. But let's talk to that. Let's talk about that uh, 51-45 win that TCU had over Michigan. Um, As I mentioned, just an epic semifinal weekend both games were incredible um i did see someone write that they shouldn't have them on new year's eve just uh because of the new year's eve um everything that's going on with new year's eve maybe that would take some Mm -hmm. some viewers away i i can see that point but anyway um Certainly the Frogs and the Wolverines gave us, you know, thrills and chills and maybe even a little bit of controversy. How can we have a college football game without a little controversy? Um, Now that a few days have passed, 
what stands out to you guys most about this game? And what was the biggest factor for the Frogs? Uh, I'm going to say it was uh, the the how, how I, I would say that their pick sixes on defense were mm. probably the biggest turning point. But that kind of goes along with what TCU has done all year. They just make the plays when they have to make them. And they're really good uh, in late game situations, just coming through, you know, with a, a touchdown or a defensive turnover or just whatever they need to, to make, <clears throat> excuse me, to make that play. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think Michigan was probably the better team, but TCU's done this kind of thing all year. It's it's weird to say the defense played well when they gave up 45 points, but, uh, I mean, I agree with John. The combination of the interceptions and, you know, I, I feel like Michigan just came into the game really thinking they were going to push them around and run the ball. And honestly, that didn't happen. I mean, Michigan was more successful throwing it, and TCU was able to get ahead and kind of turn it into their game, which was back and forth and a lot of explosive plays. As John said, they were really comfortable in a close game because they've been in so many this year, so they weren't really phased by it. But, yeah, it was a combination of kind of holding on with the defense and getting out to a lead. And then um, offensively, they just made the plays they had to. You know, there were a couple times in that ball game where it got to 21-16 and then 41-38, and it sort of felt like, okay, this is like this is the time where Michigan takes over and maybe pulls it out. But, uh, you know, Quentin Johnston having the 75-yard touchdown catch at, on third and seven, and uh, they put together a big drive when Michigan cut it to five. They're able to get a stop at the end of the game. I mean, they just sort of – did what they had to do, which is what they've done all year. But I really think the tone was set by just the fact that Michigan came in with a plan and they really weren't able to execute it like they thought. And then even though the game got close, it was more of a TCU style of a football game with a lot of points and a lot of back and forth scoring. Yeah. uh, I think starting the game like they did and kind of hitting Michigan in the mouth right away, um, well, I say that obviously Michigan had the big play, uh, you know, there at the start of the right. game, but then TCU's defense holds. I agree with you, Stephen. The fact, uh, you know, you look at the score and you immediately think shootout, and and certainly it had elements of a shootout, but TCU's defense came to play and made some big plays, and I think out physicaled Michigan mm-hmm. and. As you said, I don't think the Wolverines expected that. I think they uh, took TCU a little too lightly. And, you know, that was a wake-up call for both Michigan and maybe a lot of the country, for sure. Right. Um, so TCU was a seven-and-a-half, eight-point underdog in that game, depending on, I guess, what uh, book you looked at. But even bigger underdog to Georgia, 13 points. Um now, Georgia has obviously lived up to that number one seed, number one ranking most of the year. They're undefeated. Um, Bulldogs have really next-level speed, I mean, at a lot yeah. of different positions. And, of course, you know, four- and five-star guys up and down the roster. So, you know, what do you feel like the roadmap is to a TCU upset? Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean – Ohio State was able to throw the ball on them, which which kind of surprised me. 
And so I think if TCU can protect, which is a tall task, because Jalen Carter, their DT in the inside, I mean, he's going to be probably like a top five draft pick in, in this upcoming draft. Um, but if, if TCU's offensive line, which has done pretty well this year, if they can give Max time, then I, I really think that they can score on Georgia at different points in the game. Now, Kendra Miller, their running back, is banged up, and so that's something to watch. They do have a pretty good backup in Amari Mercado. But Ohio State didn't even really try to run the ball. I mean, it was it was it was funny. They just sort of went out there and said, "We're not going to even mess with that." And so I'm curious to see what what Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley do. But um, I, I think there is a, some potential for them to put up some big plays on offense. You know, defensively, um, the the player that scares me the most because I just don't know if they have anybody who can cover him is Brock Bowers, their tight end for Georgia. And they have another guy, Darnell Washington, who is banged up. But they like to throw the ball over the middle of the field. And, uh, you know, their corners, I know, Bryce, you had a good story about Trey Hodges, who is, is from the Midway area earlier this year. Um, and he won the Thorpe Award. I mean, he, he's he been great on the outside. They have another guy, Josh Newton, who was held up. And so I, I believe those guys can play coverage. I just don't know who they, who they you know, send out there to cover those tight ends over the middle because – Honestly, like the Big 12 just doesn't have a, a lot of guys in that mold that they throw to. The closest might be what Baylor did um, with with Sims, you know, uh, and he had a pretty good game against TCU. So I think that's kind of the biggest um, matchup. And then Stetson Bennett, I mean, he threw a couple interceptions in that semifinal game, and you, I feel like you have to find a way to force some turnovers. I know that's not typically what he does, but – and maybe they can confuse him or get get a bounce and um, turn the ball over a couple times, and that evens the playing field a lot for for TCU. Good stuff. What do you say, John? Yeah, uh, I, I agree with Steve. And it's going to be really hard to run the ball on those guys. They're so big and physical and fast. Uh, I think a lot is going to be on uh, Max Duggan's shoulders, as usual, and he usually comes through, too. Um, offensively for Georgia, I, to me, the, the, they don't blow me away offensively. You know, uh, I've been looking at some of their numbers here. And, uh, I mean, Stetson Bennett's obviously a very good quarterback, but TCU's played better quarterbacks in my mind. And uh, rushing, you know, they, it's kind of by committee. Uh, but, but yeah, it's just a Georgia's uh, defense. They're, they're so big and physical. I remember when Baylor played them in uh, 2019 Sugar Bowl, and I was just shocked just how they just kind of manhandled Baylor up front. And uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I think they got a similar kind of defense now. Uh, but, yeah, Duggan's going to have to have a, a great day, and their defense is – TCU's defense – has to force some turnovers. You know, your phone started ringing as soon as you started talking about Georgia's offense. Maybe that was Kirby Smart calling in. And- <laughs> calling in, yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah. He's like, he's like I dispute that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm with you guys. I think that's some some great analysis. Um, you know, back to Trey Hodges for a second. Uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, if we're going to uh, say mm-hmm. the man's full name uh, as he – uh, added that, uh, uh, you know, late in his high school career, but um, I think he has helped himself this year um, yeah. a lot. I think he made himself some money. He's not a very big guy, but man, he's 
his instincts are incredible. He's just a great cover guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, you know, low key physical, right? I mean, you know, maybe not even low key. Yeah, I mean that's his. That's definitely his game, and he like he gets a couple pass interference penalties. He got some in that semifinal game, but you sort of just live with that because he's not. I mean, he just doesn't give up big plays. So yeah, you know, there's going to be the occasional flag, but he he just likes to get up into receivers and press, and he excels at it. Yeah, no doubt. And so I do feel like your point about turnovers will be huge. I mean, they're big in any football game. We know that. But, you know, if TCU is able to get a, an interception or a pick six or whatever, you know, or multiple uh, turnovers, takeaways, I mean, that's that's going to be, to me, the key for TCU is uh, is and, and also much like that semifinal game uh, starting fast. And just showing Georgia, look, we're in it. You know, we're here to play. You know, I, I think that will be a big deal because, you know, you, you don't want to fall behind, you know, 14, 21 points. And then, you know, that sort of doubt starts creeping in and and everything. So um, it should be a fun game. And obviously a lot of eyeballs will be uh, tuned to it, including the six of ours. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, so finally, guys, win or lose, you know, this season is going to go down as a just monumental breakthrough season for TCU. Um, how much do you think this season helps a recruiting? Um, and, you know, I would think that it would help future classes, you know, more than the one they just signed. But um, and what does it mean for Sonny Dykes going forward? Well, it's it's interesting. I, when you asked me this question, I, I kind of looked at what their commit list was for 2023. And, I mean, Sonny has a pretty uh, set strategy in recruiting. Like, he's going to go after Metroplex kids, and especially the state of Texas. Like, 19 of the 23 kids they signed in the early signing period are from the state of Texas. A lot of those young men reside in, in Dallas-Fort Worth. Um, they've got a couple transfers out of the portal. Jojo Earl from Alabama, who originally is from Alito, Tommy Brockermeyer from Alabama, who's originally from Fort Worth. And so they kind of have a strategy of like, well, if if uh, you went to a school, another school, and it didn't work out, then you can just come back home and, and play for us. Um, so I think it'll be really significant as far as recruiting goes. I feel like the struggle is, you know, the other the other side of the portal is if you have a bad season, like I think about what's going on in Oklahoma State right now. You know, a couple you know, a couple of years ago, they're in the Big Twelve championship game. Obviously, they lose to Baylor, but they're a play away from from winning that game. And then they have one sort of down year. There's some injuries, and now it's like every offensive skill player for that team is suddenly looking to go somewhere else. So I just think sustaining it is going to be the tough thing to do uh, because if you have a down year or two, then all of a sudden people kind of scatter and, and go elsewhere. And I mean, Sonny Dykes, like I. I did not have him pegged as one of the best coaches in the country going into the season, but there's not a lot of guys who have made it to a national title game. So, I mean, I think you have to start to consider it. Um, obviously, we'll see over the next few years what uh, what kind of unfolds. But he was an analyst at TCU in 2017 after he got uh, fired by Cal, and he spent a year there. And I think, like, I just feel like he had a very clear vision for what he wanted to do with this job. And once he got here, he just sort of hit the ground running. 
Um, and so I think he has a good handle on what he wants to do moving forward. But I've been obviously surprised at just how quickly he's turned this thing around. Johnny? Yeah, well, I'm going to say if, if they beat Georgia, I think they should go ahead and, and erect the Sonny Dykes statue. <laughs> side by side. It'll be like Monument Park in New York. If yeah, 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 that'd be a good start. Uh, maybe one for Duggan, too. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, you know, it's just really hard to tell in this era, uh, especially for a school like TCU, a non-traditional power. Uh, obviously, it would help recruiting, but so much depends on the transfer portal now, NIL deals. So, uh, like Stephen said, it's, it's a little bit hard to tell just how much of an impact it will have. But, but obviously, it's going to have some impact. And uh, I think, you know, like – Baylor, other private schools, smaller schools. Uh, the key is just getting the right guys. It's not necessarily the four or five star guys. Mm-hmm. It's the guys who fit in your system, good team guys, uh, you know, guys who are going to take coaching really well. Uh, I think it's probably going to be that kind of thing for TCU. Yeah, you know, the transfer portal has obviously um, transformed. Um, college football i mean you know i've i've called it full-on free agency you know before Mm -hmm. and i think that's accurate i think it's becoming even more and more of a thing Uh, i was talking with a central texas high school coach just this week and asking him about some of his guys and where they getting looks and and uh he was like you know a lot of it a lot of these guys are uh, we're having to wait on the portal, you know, uh, what's happening yeah. with guys that are already in college. And then these coaches, you know, may come in late on, on some guys that, uh, you know, aren't just the four and five star guys. Um, as far as, you know, Sonny goes, uh, I think, you know, uh, Steven, has he already gotten an extension? Yeah, I don't, I mean, you know, you know how the details are with private schools, but they, <laughs> yeah. they added a couple of years and they didn't say exactly how much money is involved, but he's one of the highest paid guys in, in the league now. Yeah. So obviously that's deserve it. Anytime you have a season like this, you know, Baylor obviously took care of Dave Aranda uh, the year before, but you know, to y'all's point, uh, I do feel like as unbelievably tough as it is to get to a national championship game. I think sustaining this would be, you know, equally as hard Um, so much. And, you know, this is sports. This is not taking anything away from TCU. You do have to have some lucky bounces. You have to have some things kind of fall into place and go your way. And as Steven said, um, you know, the jury was out on Sonny Dykes kind of coming into this year and, and, and they just, they created their own luck, but they, they just made plays and they won games and, you know, they pull off a fire drill of a field goal that, uh, you know, against Baylor to win it. And I mean, you know, just stuff like that. Uh, can you do that year after year after year? That's tough. You know, we, we saw what happened to Baylor after, a big 12 championship and a sugar bowl win, they drop back and have sort of a mediocre season this year. So uh, it is hard to sustain that said, 
John, just as the Big 12 Championship probably aided Baylor's recruiting this year, I feel like making a run in the CFP like they have definitely going to help TCU getting some doors and some living rooms. Maybe they, they weren't getting in before. For sure. Yeah. You guys like once OU and Texas leave, do you think that we'll see more like blue chip guys in the big 12? Do you see somebody emerging or do you feel like it kind of stays like it is? Cause what John said is right. I mean, I think the strategy for a lot of these schools is like, let's just find the guys that fit our system and are going to buy in and play. But I was just curious if that, you know, helps somebody once the two, once the two traditional powers get out of the league. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. You know, I think on the podcast, once this season, I asked the question um, and this was kind of while TCU was emerging, but um, we were still kind of looking at Baylor and Oklahoma state as, you know, they were in the big 12 championship game the year before. And, and we asked the question, could they be the new power brokers? Mm -hmm. But I, I'm not sure there's going to be a run like we had with Oklahoma where, you know, they're just there, 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 there every year. I feel like this new look big 12 is going to be for lack of a better word, like a really good mid-major. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like very competitive with, with, you know, a lot of parody, a lot of parody and, um, and maybe not the, um, big brand name school in it, but, uh, but certainly a league that, you know, you can't overlook and, um, with the new 12 team playoff, I mean, they're going to have somebody in the playoff every year. I mean, I think that will be built in, but, um, you know, it will be interesting to see if they can sort of maintain that, that power five status, you know? So, well, uh, national championship game should be a lot of fun. Um, Steven, do you have a plan for like, you know, watch party or, you know, what's the plan? Man, I, I go back and forth between do I want to invite a lot of people over or do I just want to watch it in like a dark room by myself? Because I'm not <laughs> sure how much fun I'm going to be here in the game. But my family will be here and we'll, yeah, we'll enjoy it. I'm excited about it and um, keeping it keeping it pretty low key. But got to make sure you got the right people there because I might not be the most fun person to be around it at different <laughs> points in that ball game. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to show you all my cup here. Uh, see that Astros? Uh <laughs> Uh, I am completely on board with what you just said, Steven. Uh, I, I don't like a lot of people around when my team is, mm-hmm. is, uh, cause they say stupid stuff and they just make yeah. you mad and, <laughs> uh, yeah. They make know, jokes I'll, I'll, and they think it's all funny, but it's right, not. Right. Weird. And you're just living and dying with every play. So yeah, I get it. Uh, I get it completely. I'll deal with the texts. That's fine. I can handle the texts, but I don't want a lot of yahoos around <laughs> when i'm watching my team hey, hey, yeah, hey no, guys I'm, I'm gonna say i'm gonna pick tcu i think uh in bowl games it's best to go with the george costanza approach and do the opposite <laughs> uh, i because, love it uh, yeah i mean bowl games are so unpredictable and uh i think we saw you know everybody's picking michigan basically and uh i'm going with the frogs there you go. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, uh, 
you should do a special picks column for that, John. So, <laughs> um, good stuff. Good stuff. And if, if TCU wins, we'll take this little clip and we'll put it out on Twitter. You'll look like a genius. That's right. <laughs> all right. John the Oracle. Yeah, oh, yeah, I love it. Steven, thanks for uh, always uh, your contributions. We, we certainly appreciate it. And uh, go Big 12. Go Frogs. That's right. Thanks, guys. All right. Appreciate thanks, it. guys. See y'all.